Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Flowtrack Podcast. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Gordon Mack. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com is our email address. We're also live on YouTube. You can watch the show on the Flowtrack Podcast YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed, you should subscribe right this very moment. Gordon, happy Monday to you. Happy Monday to you, too. Wasn't a good weekend for people who are from Philadelphia. I'm wearing my, my now defunct Philadelphia Phillies team. We got swept by the Braves, so that was unfortunate. Um, Eagles just got beat by the Chiefs. Ben Simmons is still a sixer. All this is going on in my head. At the same time, I'm in charge of doing a track and field podcast, so I'm trying to balance both things. Think about track, commentate about track, but suffer Mm. as a Philadelphia fan. So I'm putting the Philadelphia things on the side. And it's a Monday. It's either a Monday, Wednesday, and Friday where I think about track. So I'm all in to recap the London Marathon and other newslings of the weekend. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I feel bad for you. Very, very tough. Um, we'll start with London Marathon and then talk cross country. But we really want to get in the world athletics rankings because people were very upset about the final world athletics rankings for, for 2021. I know that they they were circulated at least the top 10. but Everybody is ranked here on these on these rankings, so we can go through that a bit later. Let's start with the London Marathon recap, though. I know you watched probably the whole three-hour and 40-minute watch party that Cathal and I did during the show or during the race. Woke up at, at 2.30 yesterday to, to record that, Gordon. So first of all, I just wanted to thank you for offering feedback, watching all of it. You were thinking, man, at an hour 27, a little low energy, Kevin, maybe next time. Uh, pick that up, but it was it was fun. If people want to go relive it, you could go watch it. Three hours and forty minutes. Me and Cathal talking. He told some good stories. Good time. Or you can listen to it on Spotify. True. Or uh, anywhere where you get your your podcasts. Put it at one point five x, and then it's not three hours and forty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Yeah, it's a fun race though. We got the we have the deepest we can say the deepest women's race in history. So you had five women. Under 218, that's never happened before. Jocelyn Jipkoski wins, and she was one of the favorites going in just because she had this great buildup, didn't have to run the Olympics, which turned out to actually be a, a blessing for her here, really turned it on on that second half, dropped a 4.56-mile late in the race and ran away with it. So she's now won two world marathon majors. She's got second in another fast race in, in Valencia. So her marathon career is off to a real good start. but. As expected, Gordon, top to bottom, this was fast. Bridget Koskai wasn't in that main breakaway, and and it, but still held her own to, to finish fourth, less than a minute back in 218.40. 40. 
Sal Peter, who had came in with a 217 PB, she was fifth in, in 218.54. So we had a, a top five of Jep Kaziai, Ezemeru, Bikeri, Kaskai, and, and Sal Peter. And, and the field produced. I mean, there were 12 women there for a while who were clicking along at that you know, 217, 218 pace. And we thought basically only half of them need to stay together on this. And then we're going to get the deepest race in history. And that's pretty much how it how it transpired. Some people fell off on the back, but there was enough depth up there to to produce this great race. Yeah. And do you think uh, Jeb Kaskai's win is going to be the start of us recognizing that the runners with the most advantage here are going to be those who did not run in the Olympics? You're talking about for the fall season. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a great that's a great point. That's a great point as we move on to Boston, Chicago, and New York. Now, New York, I think, is far enough away to where yeah. it would be a different conversation. And New York is going to have Brezjip Chircher in the women's field, the, the gold medalist from from Sapporo. So, yeah, that's some, that was the theme, right? That was the theme in the on the women's side of things was the women who competed at the at the Olympics did not fare as well as the ones who did. But I also think what we're getting here too is a real interesting women's field shaking out because you got to consider Jip Kosgai one of the best. Kosgai not willing to write off just because she had to turn around so quickly and run this race. And then you have Jip Chirchir, who if she goes Olympics and then wins New York, you'd have to consider her one of the best. I think we're heading to a 2022 perhaps where we have three titans in women's marathoning internationally yeah and they'll be good and we got to find a way to get all three of them at the same race because we couldn't even get that at the olympics right it's wild right. that you can run 217 win the london marathon and you weren't seen by your governing body of your country as like yeah we want you to represent our country at the olympics why wasn't she selected to be at the olympics Dipkoskai. well you had you're not going to leave off Bridget Koskai, world record holder, yeah. and she had this the streak of wins in London and Chicago. Jep Chirchir, solid. Obviously, she wins a gold medal. That's justified. The third was Ruth Chepnegich, who who didn't run well at the Olympics. But remember, you know, she had won the world championships in Doha, and she had put up fast times as well, too. So there wasn't really a reason to leave any of those three off. Combine that with the fact that Jocelyn Jep Koskai had only run two marathons and only only had one win. And that that was the reason. I just think she hadn't established herself enough as a marathon marathon star yet to be put on that team. Now, Athletics Kenya and a lot of other federations who select teams and don't use trials, they get it wrong a lot. They get it wrong a lot. They make bad picks. I don't think this was one of them. I just think this was a case where she didn't have the resume quite like the other women did. But that's not going to happen again. Now we know exactly who she is and how good she is. Yeah. And maybe it's a blessing in disguise, right? She, you know, there's 100%. always the next year's Olympics. It kind of it gives you kind of a a competitive advantage in this fall season. You get your first major. Is this her first major win? It's her first major. New York, win, right? New York. Oh, she, New oh York. she won in New York as well. Okay. Yeah. Well, she won on a fast course in London. First London win. Like yeah. that's just gonna skyrocket you. Now you have even a faster PB. You're just you're gonna be rolling through the next few years in the marathon cycles. So. Hey, not everything is about the Olympics, which we will get to when we talk about these world athletic rankings. Um, and I think that showed in the marathon here. So she's set to go on a, a pretty good run these next three to four years. Yeah, and London, remember, next year is going to still stay in the fall. Yeah. So there'll be a, a crowded fall schedule again. The question is, well, what do they do in the spring? Because now Koskai will be fully rested. Jeff Chircher, again, if she wins in New York, we can we consider her in that in that big three. So do they all meet in the spring? If so, where do they meet? Or maybe they meet that late winter season there. We've seen more people trying to get in three marathons a year as as opposed to two. It's it's a really exciting time in women's marathoning, and not just because the the times, but because of the figures involved. Again, Jeb Kosgai, 217.43, big PR. Azamiro also under 218 with a 217.58, and then Bikere, 218.18. This is PR, PRs across the board there. Bridget Koskai didn't get a PB, but I'm going to give her uh, a pass on that because when your PB is 214, <laughs> you need everything to be completely, completely perfect, not just with your shape, but with the course and the weather and everything. The weather was, the weather cooperated and they ran, they ran well. It was a funny situation, Gordon. 
they had a 217 pace group and a 218 pace group. But the 217 pacers, nobody followed them. So all of the work fell onto the shoulders of the 218 pacer. And there was only one 218 pacer. And it was three 217 pacers. And they never really adjusted. It was, it was funny to watch. But the 218 pacer did a spectacular job of doing a little bit more than expected. Because she's carrying basically 10, 11 women in that group for a long time. And then she had them under, two seven, or sorry, under 218 pace for a little bit by the time she stepped off. And then... Jepkoski was allowed to you know, take over at that point. And there was a little bit of time there where you thought when the projection was hovering around 217.30, man, can she get Mary Katani's London course record, which is also the women, women's only record. And she wasn't able to do it. She drifted back a little bit. But I think maybe if they had even more help in the beginning, that could have been a possibility. She was really strong in the second half. As I mentioned, she had that 456 mile late in the race. but. I think there's more there for, for Jip Koskai. I'm not going to say, hey, you can run 214 because only one woman's done that in history, but I could certainly see a 216 next year in, in London or Berlin or Valencia if the, if the weather uh, cooperates. Yeah. What do you think about the, the men's race? 204, almost breaking 204, but we didn't get a 203. We were close. Yeah. Um, what do you think of that men's field? So that one was similar in terms of, we had a fast time projection throughout, slowed a little bit at the end. The difference was they had six in their pack as opposed to 12. So when things slowed down and when people fell off, they were only left with a few folks. And that was Sisse Lemma, the eventual winner in 204-01, Kip Chumba and, and Garamu. Those were the three who really separated themselves towards the back half. It was weird from the jump because Shura Katata, actually it's weird from the press conference because Shura Katata, said he had a hamstring injury. And if you say you are injured at a press conference for a marathon, you must be pretty injured because usually no one says anything if they're slightly injured. And then you find out afterwards, oh, they hadn't run for two weeks or they hadn't done a workout in, in six weeks. So to admit that you're injured means it's significant enough to where they know, hey, I can't hide it. People are going to tell from the get-go. So Katano's off the back two miles in. I thought he was going to DNF. So that was your London defending champion. And once he was out of it, then you're thinking, all right, there's only you know, five, four or five more, or five or six more guys who have the PBs that put them in in contention, right? Because you don't think a 210 person is going to win the race. So you're looking at all the, the 202, 203, 204, 205 guys, of which there really weren't too many after after Katata. And, you know, that, that group of Legasse, who was really talking big going into the race, uh, Evans Chabet. Uh, Titus Ikiru, Garamu, Kip, and Kipchumba and Lemma. Ikiru dropped out, so then it's down to the five. Then the three break away. And the two guys who went one, two, Gordon, like Kipchumba's PB was 205 going in. Now he won, he got second in London last year, so you're like, oh, this is a legit dude. And Sisse Lemma has been around for a while, hadn't won a major before, though. It was kind of unexpected. And you and I had talked last week, hey, this is maybe going to be the, the first sign of, okay, who can challenge Kipchoge because his field is so deep. But I don't think Kipchoge is too worried about yeah. someone challenging him if that person is a guy who's been around forever and has seen Kipchoge. It's not as if there's this ascendant 22-year-old talent who went out there and breezed to a 202. This is someone, Lemma, to his credit, who's been around on the scene, been plugging away for a while, and had his day on, on Sunday. Yeah, it, we we're not get this wasn't a the uh, the triple A to see who's going to go up to the majors to go up against Kipchoge. This was, you know, it's a good race. Two of four is nothing to to uh, joke about. What's the no blanket? I don't know. What's the sneeze phrase? about? Nothing to write home about? No, I don't know what the sneeze about. Yeah, but like, um, it's still like a a legit time at. In London, 204, you take that anywhere, you're going to be one of the top three or four in any field that you enter. So mm -hmm. um, it's still an incredible performance, I think, for those two men up top. One thing I did think, though, 204-01, that's got a – that's got a – ooh, you're so close. Yeah, yeah. Just one second away from being sub-204. And it got me thinking, what is the worst 01 you can have in track and field? Like, is it – 
1001 and 100 is it 1101 and 100 for women is it 401 mm. for a mile like what is obviously there's always these barriers but what's the one that's like god dang it like i was just this close to breaking it like it like hurts the most i think it's got to be something long enough to where you think man if i had leaned or if i just took a little bit better line at the end i think it's a it's a mid distance barrier or yeah. or long distance barrier for this is like you, do you really feel bad for a, a 204 or 01 i mean time right like if kipchoge did a breaking two and it was 20001 i think that would go down as the most brutal in history right cuz you do yeah. 26.2 miles and to miss it by a second is just devastating yeah I guess I agree. It's probably more like a, a 401 mile probably sucks more than like a a 201 800 for a woman, right? Yeah, I yeah. guess. Um, I do think though, I think the worst is 1001 for 100 because even though it's the the shortest distance, you know, yeah, it just feels so good to be a sub 10 runner than it does to be like a 10 runner, I feel. Right, right. So this is interesting, Gordon. If you had told me that we are going to have the London and Berlin marathons take place and after those races, you're going to have the total amount of sub 204s for the men be zero, I would have taken that bet. I would have taken that bet 10 times out of 10. Because right now you look at the yearly lists here in the marathon, it's actually kind of, it's kind of strange. Titus Akira's 202.57 from Milan is the best, the fastest time of the year. and and then you got the rest of basically the Milan field up there. Like we have not seen, we have not seen the fast uh, fall marathon developed. And part of that is, hey, you know, Kipchoge is not there. Hey, a lot of people are coming off of the Olympics, but we got Chicago, which is quick coming. But then you have Boston, New York that aren't that quick. You know, it, whenever there's a, there'll be a fast European marathon as well too to end the year, but we're not we're not seeing the the crazy times at yet at least yeah yeah i mean chicago we might get something at chicago at least on the women's side yeah maybe well we already got the fast things on the women's side men London, men i'm talking men men women yeah. have been great women have been, women great. been great yeah i would think for american women chicago's the place to be um but yeah maybe chicago men they pull it out. Yeah. I mean, it'll be wild if like Galen Rupp finds a way to just like mm -hmm. come out of nowhere and like break the American record. It'll be kind of wild. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but it'll be kind of like a good way to go from like your disappointing eighth place finish at the Olympics to all of a sudden be like, hey, it actually wasn't too bad yeah. of a year. <laughs> 2021. Uh, Tyrone out, uh, points out in the chat, the one second miss cost him 75,000 because it was a 204 bonus which is something Kathleen and i were watching because he was he was celebrating too down the finish line because they london focused on appearance fees and time bonuses the winning amount was not that much there are other races that give out better prize money just for the the, the top finishers this was really incentivizing fast times but i guess he either wasn't aware or wanted just to celebrate or how do you not be aware because winning probably your shoe company gives you a lot of money too. So you're just thinking, True. Hey, I'm going to go out there and, and win the race because some of these time bonuses were nuts. Like if there were course records and, and world records, which world records are pretty far out there, but course records were certainly possible on the women's side for a while there. At least some of those numbers were going to be pretty crazy. And then they went, it wasn't just if you won and got it, if you got sixth and ran two Oh three forty five, you still would get the time bonus associated with that. So it was a lot to run for out there. Um, we also got here, we got some feedback on the most brutal 01. Uh, Tampa Eagle says 350.1. See, but if you run 350, I, I just don't feel bad for you because you run 350. Yeah. Looks like Travis brought up uh, Alex Rogers or Alex Rogers Tifers page. And he has a four flat point oh oh, so that's got to be pretty brutal. That's not a four oh one, but four flat zero zero. You'd be point. Look at that. Yeah, that's the. <laughs> that could be. That's probably the worst feeling ever. You're like, really? I mean, I, it looks nice and flat and everything, but 
you know, so yeah. he's going to be lumped in the same category as all the other four flats, 401s. You know, you want to be in the 359 club, right? So he did eventually join that club for the record. He just had to wait a few more. That's what I'm saying. If you ne- yeah, if you never did it, then it's, it's particularly brutal. But if you eventually got around to, to doing it, then it just makes a funny story. But yeah, 4000 is tough. Because if you go if you go ten o, it's just not as many zeros, so it doesn't doesn't look as yeah. as brutal. And again, ten o ten o, you're you're elite. You'll, you'll you'll find your way to another another race. You'll 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 figure it out. But four o o, it's the barrier that people think about as a mid distance runner growing up. Did you want to talk about Shalane Flanagan? Now two for two, Gordon. Yeah, two for two. When she. I don't know what's going on with her, but she's like, yeah, I'm going to go even faster. She runs three minutes faster. She runs eight. Yeah. Oh, not eight. Uh, she runs uh, 235. She ran 238 mm-hmm. in Berlin, 235 in London. Um, it was a positive split. She went out harder than she did um, in Berlin. So she kind of was yeah. bonking a bit, but still runs three minutes whole, wholly faster. She talked about her – she talked post-race uh, – her um, her recovery was fine between the two marathons, yeah. but she's more kind of just gearing up for the big double, which is upcoming this weekend, and figuring out mm-hmm. how to fuel and recover between Chicago and Boston, which will be the talk of the town. Because you know, like after Chicago, the entire like American press are going to want to like, talk to her, and she's going to be like, "I can't talk. Like I'm not done." It's like. You know how, like, after mm-hmm. the, the prelims of the semifinals of the 100 yeah. and the finals of the same yeah. day, everyone just walks through the mix zone because they have to get to the final? She's going to be like, I got to just walk through this mix zone and get on a plane to get ready for Boston, and I can do my interview after that. But she seemed like good spirits. She definitely created a a barrier of three hours. I think knowing she was much better than three hours because <laughs> – you, if you yeah. know you're trying to break three hours and you're breaking it by over 20 minutes both times, clearly, you know, she probably could have made it sub 245 if she wanted to. But mm-hmm. I guess she wanted to give herself that chance to run a 259 in Boston because of the Chicago back-to-back. But this got me thinking about this. If she's able to go 238 yeah. and then 235 a week later, there are a lot of t- I mean, yeah. we, we sometimes see it. I think Galen Rupp did it once. But – I was talking in the car about oh, while I was at the wedding. We was in a car with a bunch of runners, and how like you spend multiple months building up to a marathon, right? And mm-hmm. it all needs to go right on that day because you spend all this time training, and it really sucks if you just don't have a good day because it makes all that training not worth it, right? Because maybe yeah, you have the yeah. side stitch, you just don't go well. But I feel like most people should be like signing up for backup marathons. So if you do train for a marathon on this one weekend and it doesn't go well, you decide to abandon it like 10 miles in because you know this isn't a day. You recover and then you get ready for the next marathon a week later because clearly your body can handle it. Shalane's doing it where she's doing a full marathon back-to-back over two weekends. But I think there might Mm -hmm. be something about, you know, recreational marathoners who are trying to achieve like a personal goal to have your – your your backup marathon in the pocket like a week later so you can know yeah. hey if you're not feeling right here save it and go for one last throw at it a week later because your body can handle it yeah pros they run into contract issues if they do that i know that year in boston where there was a question about whether people will be released from their contracts that said hey if you dnf our race you can't run another marathon within a certain window oh. of time which which is something i didn't know about going in to prevent exactly what you're saying you just get your appearance fee you show up you run 10 miles and then you 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 skedaddle and then you go to the next one flanagan she started with the 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 mass start and she was showing like a 231 projection for a long time in this race and i i believe that to be accurate because she mentioned afterwards she slowed a lot at the end so there was a lot there was like a good period of time there where I was like, all right, if she's cruising at 231, because I was just I was just assuming, hey, she's six days, seven days after her last marathon, she's got another one coming up. Another two coming up. Another three coming up. Another four coming up. What if she just said, decided midway in this marathon, this is it for me this fall. 
how fast could, could she have run like a 228, 27? But then she slowed down and said, oh, she, she had gone out too fast. So I, I tempered my expectations a bit. But there was a while that I was thinking, is she going to finish top 15, top 20 in the if she were to be in the elite field in, in this race? And then I think ultimately probably a good thing that, that she slowed up. Or, I mean, I know she was forced to slow up just because her, her body shut down. But I think she's going to need everything she has going into these two back-to-back because this will be unlike anything she's ever done before. Yeah. She – and when all is said and done, when we – hopefully she pulls it off, especially the back-to-back ones. And at the end of New York City, you're going to think – you're going to look at these six marathon performances and you're gonna be like, all right, what happens if she's not doing six, if she's just doing one? What could she run based on this fitness yeah. that we're seeing? If you're showing consistent 230 fitness over yeah. 42 days, yeah. what can it be sure. if you only do it for one day? And maybe yeah. she comes out of retirement and does Boston one last time or something like that, or you know, runs at the Olympic trials in 2024. I don't know. Because clearly she's she didn't yeah. she didn't she didn't decide when she retired, she didn't truly retire where you know sit on the couch all yeah she's clearly been well fit. and someone like yuki kauchi who runs a million marathons a year and has a schedule similar to this year after year maybe not as extreme but he has certainly points in his career when he's run volume around this range you always wonder okay if he runs fewer races how much faster can he can he go and with with her she hasn't run like that until now so you do think hey if she went back to just running one race or even if she just did two she did one at the beginning and then one in new york you think it'd be quicker travis can you pull up the chicago women's elite field because gordon what i want to know is if you were her would you want to start with the elite field in chicago you could you could be sucked into a way too fast pace because you're trying to be competitive on one side but then on the other side you could beat a good chunk of these women in this in this race because you look at the elite field Ruth Chepnegic at last check was the only uh, top-level Kenyan in there. And then, yeah, Hall, D'Amato, Bates, Nakuri, Flanagan. That's the oh, that's 228 or faster right there. If she runs another you know, 235, I mean, she's faster than some of the people on this elite list with, with you know, in terms of PB or in terms of, I guess, season best. I don't know. If she runs sub-240 at Chicago, there's something crazy going on because – you should not run 239 or faster knowing in 24 hours you got to do it again. Like you she should if she should go out and try to run 255. Like chill, just chill, get through it. Then kind of go harder at Boston and then you got time to save up your legs for the next one. But like if she's out there running in the 230s for the first half of this race, you're like what are you doing? You're going to start freak you're going to be like what's going on? I mean it's a competitive athlete in her, right? She's. It's hard yeah. for her to purposely run slow. Like she probably feels like she's running as slow as possible, but she's just so yeah. good that as slow as possible is two forty pace. Um, but yeah, you think she's gonna know? All right, I don't yeah. need no two thirties well, in this one. I just need a two fifty nine. The test would be if she does it in Boston. I, I have no doubt she can do it in Chicago. If she does it, then back to back, and then puts a fast one up in Boston, then that's crazy too like i i think that's where she's got to be careful with chicago there's just not not overdoing it but the field the field in chicago is so much is so wide open here because of how these fields broke down it has to like a little part of it's got to be tempting if she didn't if this was it and she could go for it on this one it'd be fascinating to watch and she didn't have boston the next day she just cut loose on this one be crazy and try to win it i want the simulation i want to know because I, I want to see her do, do the double and see what she does but i also want the other world where she goes all out in this where she actually not, maybe not even winning it. the marathons <laughs> well ruth ruth chepnegic is great you know 217 pp but, but like just amongst the americans could she could she be top three amongst the americans on her yeah. third well, marathon in three weeks yeah. When I say win it, you need someone else to DNF. Like if Ruth DNFs and like Sarah Hall doesn't yeah. have a good day, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I could win this marathon. Right. 
Right. Right. So. That's and she gets her second world marathon major doing a, 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 a stunt where you're doing uh, seven marathons or six marathons in, in seven weeks. I think she's going to do, she's filling Tokyo with a run in like a virtual one in Portland. So she's really holding herself to the six marathon thing. She's doing a virtual one. She's going to run at her, in her home, Portland, do like a 26.2 mile virtual marathon, basically. Probably the travel, I'm guessing, was was difficult and trying to figure things is there out. Be a, Tokyo just got canceled. Is there going to be a course certifier to make sure it's certified 26.2? Not. Yeah. You no, know, we don't want those Strava segments. You know, can be plus or minus a few, few meters are here. So we got to make sure she's yeah. holding to it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. And tomorrow, uh, sorry, Wednesday show, we'll go more into the Chicago and Boston fields in in some too, because it'd be fun to look at that. Boston women's field too, to see where she fits there to, as well. Yeah. So we'll talk a little bit about cross country at the end of the pod, but first I think we should get into something that kind of riled up some track and field folks on the internet yeah. and everyone thinks they have the same opinion. Everyone is agreeing with each other, but I disagree with all of them. Here's what um, I want you to do though. Just humor me this. I don't want you to get preemptively mad about what other people are saying i just want you to explain your perspective on the world athletics rankings can you can you do okay. that well i have like kind of don't like perspectives okay yeah do that but just don't like start you know countering other people's random twitter people's arguments right now like just start first with what you feel about the rankings that's what i want to know okay well i first of all the rankings <laughs> When you look at it right now, the rankings did a good job at finding the people who are most dominant this year. Elaine Thompson Hurrah. If Elaine Thompson Hurrah wasn't number one in these rankings, there clearly is a flaw in it. Safan Hassan has been utterly dominant. We saw what she did at the Olympics. We saw she continues to chase records. Rojas has been the equivalent of that at the triple jump. Every time she's out there, you think she's going to break the world record. And then Kip Yegon and Fraser Price, they were like the number two in their disciplines behind Hassan and Thompson. Now, Kip Yagen has beaten Hassan and Fraser Price has beaten Thompson, but when you look at the body of work, Hassan yeah. has done more than Kip Yagen and Thompson Hurrah has done more than Fraser Price. So the top five makes sense. The thing is, when you're trying to rank every athlete in the freaking world across multiple events, there's yeah. going to start to become a lot of gray area and a lot of wait a minute, this person over that person? And people are going to start to expect their biases to be favored over the reality. And so when we look at this ranking, they look at the number six runner or athlete, Femke Bull, and you're like, wait a minute. You're, you're telling me the sixth best athlete in the world is someone who, couldn't, who got third in the Olympics and the 400 meter hurdles behind two women who broke the old world record. What's going on here? And if you look at those rankings, you don't see Sydney or Delilah anywhere until let's keep going. Sydney is ranked 24th and Delilah is ranked. I don't even know beyond that. Right. So, uh, 30th 30. So how, how does that happen? Well, it happens because these aren't, Descending order lists. These aren't just your time that your best time of the season, and then rank it that order and make sure the equivalent mark of what a hundred is to a four hundred meter hurdle. It is yeah, yeah. based off a of body of work for the entire season, and it takes your five, not one, not two, not three, not four, but five best performances in the year. And when you look at Sydney and Delilah's best five performances, only one of them is all time. And that's the Olympic one, right? No, now the no, second no. trials, best, trials, trials, but work the world. Tri work yeah, the yeah. World. Okay. Trials. trials is good too. So you have two. What about the other three? Okay. The thing is what they're trying to do is they're trying to rank athletes based, not just on time, but performances at track meets. And the fact that Sydney and Delilah 
were like, we don't need to run the Diamond League circuit, whatever, hurt them. If Delilah decided to run the Diamond League, she would probably be ranked in the top five, but she chose not to. She, so if, if you let's uh, go back to those rankings, Travis. Um, and let's just compare Femke Bowl's five performances to Delilah. So let's click on Fem, Femke Bowl. If you click on it, it should pop up and scroll up so we can see it. So she her, her best five performances, she's run 52 three times, 53 twice. And if you scroll over to the right with it, um, you can see the place scores. So she got 200 points plus on all of her five best performances because she was winning races that were category GW, DF, or Olympic Games. Diamond League Finals, Olympic Games are like the mega, mega ones. And then GW is basically Diamond League level events. So her five performances, four of them were wins. at Diamond, She won the Diamond League Finals. She won three other Diamond Leagues and then third at the Olympics. That's a lot of extra clout to these victories or these performances than just running 52 seconds in the middle of nowhere. Now let's look at Sydney or Delilah. This is Delilah. Look, so you saw there was it was 200 plus performance scores. She has a 300 from the Olympics, the 200 from a Diamond League, but then you have a 140, an 80, and a 140, right? That's the issue, you know? That's the problem that you have here. There's a lot of... The little okay, bit... 50... Hold on. So she runs 52-42 and gets 80 points at the trials. Yeah, because it's is that fair. Is that's that... a problem. That's a problem with the rankings, and that is because yeah, all national championships are created equal. Here's the problem because too with this. You can't with this specific... say Americans crazy, get on, to have crazy. a better. But what's how is a world governing body going to say USA championships are more important than the Jamaican championships? How can well, I think do... you got to look at the. It, it does. It's not about what's a. Ch it shouldn't be about what's a championship. It should be about the quality of the field. And I think you bring up a good point about Diamond League getting more points, which in theory should be true. But you just said Muhammad and McLaughlin didn't run all these Diamond Leagues. So Bowl, who's had a great season, take nothing away from Bowl. She won every single race except the Olympics. People might have forgotten that. But the the value in the Diamond League is hey, the best people are running. That's why you get points. And we just talked about how, say for a, a very few. Uh, uh, races, the top two women at the Olympics didn't run any of the Diamond Leagues. So you're basically, it's just a name brand thing. Because you went to this meet that had Diamond League in front of it, you got more points and you're expected to be against a more competitive field, but that met, that competitive field didn't materialize. That's, the, that's one of the problems. Yeah, but then what about a situation where, oh, you win the Olympic Games, but uh, you know, all the best athletes chose to do a different event. Like, oh, it's a watered down 400 this year because this person's mm -hmm. out, that person's out, that person decided to scratch, there's injuries. Yeah. Like, yeah. the field's always changed, my, you know. My takeaway is it's tough to obviously go event to event, but when we're talking about, you know, the women's formula hurdles, for example, you're looking at within the event. I just, I saw some comparisons like, well, you got to honor the regular season, right? You wouldn't rank... J go to the men's men's hundred, Travis. You know you wouldn't have Jacobs number one, but like there's got to be a way in our system to differentiate between a Marcel Jacobs of the world versus a Sydney McLaughlin of the world, right? Like that's the problem here. We all know that Sydney McLaughlin top five athlete this year. Jacobs is down there in in 25th, and he ran a lot of Diamond Leagues this year. Didn't win. But it ran a lot of diamond leagues this year. Um, there ha and I'm starting to think there's just not a way it within our system to ever quantify this stuff correctly. Because guess what? And I know it's a different situation, but when they decide World Athletics Athlete of the Year, do you think Sydney's going to get invited to the top three? In Monaco, do you think she's going to be so. on that finalist list? Well, I'll tell you one thing. She's not going to be 24th or whatever in the voting. Yes, right? They're true. not going to put – and they're not going to put Bull – they're not going to invite Bull and not invite McLaughlin. That I know 
for certain. Now, I know rankings and the athlete of the year are different things, but there needs to be a little bit more symmetry between them. But I'm starting to think we can never we can never rank this stuff accurately or, or properly. So I just did a little – if you were to ignore um, – the performances so basically ignore where you're running these because that's basically what caused sydney and delilah to fall down is because they're doing some impressive performances or just really good performances at non-diamond leagues or at a national championship which doesn't get as much credit as doing it at a diamond league yeah. final or Olympic, right so if you just look at the raw score which doesn't account for where you did it that's just purely based yeah. off of your time yeah, yeah and you take the best five performances Delilah's uh, average is 1,238 points. Femke mm-hmm. Bowles' average is 1,245 points. And Sydney is 1,254. So based off of just pure time, Sydney, it goes Sydney, then Femke, then Delilah, based off your top yeah. five performances. Problem is, while Sydney is getting a big bump for her Olympic win, Bemke's getting a, even a bigger bump for having four Diamond Leagues plus a Diamond League final. Yes. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. And she didn't race. I get it. Sydney didn't race a ton. But there's got to be a way to quantify the fact that she broke the world record twice. And her her times were out of this world. And, I mean, people want to throw in, oh, the 4 by 4 Like, that, that makes things even more complicated. But we know it when we see it. We know that she's top five athlete this year it's just this the system it has obviously clear limits what about the men what'd you think of the men's men's order so you had carson Warholm one i don't think anybody's arguing about that i think that's a solid pick for number one for carson Warholm. krauser two again competed a lot world record no one close in his event mondo three then you go degrasse and bednarik and curly four five six so we're just talking about about jacobs right so those three guys all compete, well, 100 and 200 there. Jacobs mostly just in the 100 and indoors in the 60. They go five, six, seven. Damian Warner in the decathlon, seventh. Really hard to quantify his, his performance. He doesn't get the opportunity to compete. Jakob in eight. Dos Santos of Brazil in nine. So ahead of Benjamin, probably for the same reason that we had on the women's side of things. And then Pichardo, 10th. Cherry, 11th. Benjamin, 12th. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you have another 400-meter hurdle conversation here with Dos Santos. Why is he ranked ahead of Vi Benjamin? And it goes down the same reason on the women's side because Dos Santos ran all the Diamond Leagues and Benjamin didn't. This is a situation where Warholm decided to run the Diamond Leagues. Warholm had basically a similar season to Sydney, but Warholm got all the extra bumps because he decided to compete at the Diamond League level, where Sydney was running at the Music City D- Carnival in Nashville, you know, on like a Tuesday. And she was running a lot of high hurdles. Remember that? There was a high hurdle yeah, part she of her season. She ran, yeah. she ran more high hurdle finals or as many high hurdle finals. No, she ran more high hurdle finals than low hurdle finals. She ran one in Phoenix, one in Azusa, one in Eugene, and one in Walnut. That's four. Four meter hurdles. She went Nashville, trials, and Olympics. So it's four to three. She actually ran more high hurdles than low hurdles. But those high hurdle marks, if she would have ran world-class times in them that were better yeah, than her 400 I, meter hurdle, it yeah. would have counted towards her right. total because it's only five best performances. So she I'm had only four 400 hurdles. As, that fifth hunt high hurdle would have counted. But Okay. But Warholm versus Warholm, who ran uh, Oslo, Monaco, Olympics, Zurich, Berlin. He actually didn't race you know, a ton this year, relatively speaking. Or Warholm standards, but you're right. He did it in the in the Diamond League meets. Yeah, it's purely just a you're going to be ranked high if you win at the World Athletics events. Like they want, that's the whole point of the rankings is to incentivize and promote athletes competing all at the same area in the same location and not in the middle of the woods like the Bowerman Track Club does or you know, a random track meet here and there. Those random track meets are great for, you know, fans, engagement, all that stuff. But 
Yeah. When it comes down to it, uh, World Athletic says you are as good as you are when you show up to our events. You know. I just think you should be able to look at these things in five years and have a good idea or a good snapshot at how the season went, and you can't on some of these men's. I would say you're you're pretty close. There's obviously some issues there, but at least that that top group. But like, men okay, makes so sense. for the why women, is, why women, is, you, you, why is Sydney so great this year? What does she do after the Olympics? It's not. She, well, she broke the world record. She broke the world record twice, and she put it way out of reach. She had a similar, you know, bump in performance that that Warholm did in 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 his. But if the Olympics, that's why if the Olympics is all that matters. Then why do we? If the Olympics is all that matters, why do we even have track meets after the Olympics if it doesn't matter? Because she are It's not. All, she was already number one. Why do we even bother having a sport? It's not all that matters. I mean, she she did it at, at trials as well too. It obviously has it carries a ton of weight. That's just the reality of the sport, and I think the rankings need to reflect that. The rank, like we again, we know it when we see it. We know that it's not. We can differentiate as track fans between what Jacobs did and what Sidney McLaughlin did. So we can't just say, oh, well, he he just he won at the Olympics and then didn't do anything after the Olympics, and she won at the Olympics, and she didn't do anything after the, the Olympics. So they're the same thing. He shouldn't be top rank in the 100. She shouldn't be top rank in the 400 hurdles. I just think we can – and it, my my issue isn't with – again, Bowl had a great season. Bowl had a great season. Like, Bowl deserves to be way high up there. It's just like when you put her, whatever she was, 24th, you're you're losing credibility if your job is to rank things, to say that there were 23 better uh, performers this year. Okay, hold on. Let me see. This might prove my point. So you, you're, you're telling me that we need to be able to say that Sydney did something more impressive than, Mar, than, than Marcel Jacobs, right? Is that what you're trying to say? Well, just, in, just in general, I think we can – we need to be able to – Properly rank people who don't race a ton, but we know had an all-time great season. Okay, and Lamar Jacobs. That's tough score. Yeah, sorry, I'm interrupting. Go ahead. Being rude. No, you got Lamar. It. Go Lamar Jacobs' score is 1423, and Sydney's is 1424. So the rankings did say that Sydney had a better season than Jacobs by a point. By a point, but that's my, that's exactly, you just proved my point that it's only a point is a problem. And what did he get? He got a ton probably for winning the Euro 60 indoors, correct? Maybe. I don't know. He got credit for, that's... he got credit for winning the Olympics. Olympics, as he should. Yeah, Euro, uh, European indoors. He got some good, good, good love for that one. Um, yeah. Yeah. Again, I don't want to make this all about Sydney and, and the Formula Hurdles and Muhammad and Bull. They were all fantastic. I All I'm saying is there are athletes that break the ranking system, and there are athletes that that fit perfectly into it. Warholm fit perfectly into it. And Krauser and Mondo, they fit really well into it. In fact, you can almost make – man, the, the word athlete of the year is going to be interesting. I think, I think Warholm's going to get it on the men's side, but Krauser's got a really good argument, I think. His depth of performance yeah. is nuts. I uh, think Krauser should get it, in my opinion. If I if I had to so here's here, here's another extreme example. Travis, scroll down on women. People are asking in the chat about Thing Mo. Now, because she's in the NCAA, she's posting these amazing times. The waiting is way off, obviously, towards NCAA athletes. So she's at forty nine. She ran pre. After the Olympics, that was the only Diamond League. But I want to see her top. Can we click on her her profile there? What's funny is Nian Saba's one in front of her. Nian Saba should be way higher as well, too. So her her scoring points, the Olympics with the 155-2, pre the 155-0, uh, her semi in the Olympics, 158, then a 156 at trials. And then the yeah, NCAA the, indoors in the eight. Yeah, basically, for people watching, you see the column that says place score, PL score. It's the second farthest to the right. 
mm-hmm. a three fifty. That's that's really how you know how people are getting ranked because all these people, their raw scores are all incredible, right? Because they're running the fastest times in the world, so their raw scores are going to be in the you know twelve hundred range, right, across the five. Yeah. The thing that separates you from being a top ten in the ranking versus in the middle of the pack is those five scores, those play scores, and. Someone like Femke Bull was 200 or better in all five. A Thing Mo, she had a 350, a 200, a 140, a 100, and then a 15. She only got 15 points for her 158 at SEC indoors because it's uh, considered a, an F category meet. So that is the issue. Like if all a Thing had to do was go to one Diamond League event, right? Run 157. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you're going to get 150 more points plus on that one level. Mm-hmm. And if you're able to, if, you know, that, that's going to dramatically increase your score average up higher. And that's just how it works. So it's just a matter of do you have, you, you need to have an Olympic uh, play score because that gets the best. And then having four Diamond League play scores is how you get into like the top 30. Top twenty, top ten, and there's okay, a so, lot of American athletes who just didn't go to Europe and do the Diamond League circuit, so they're gonna get ranked. Low. Dumb, dumb question. Why? So they're not considering her four hundred here. What? I mean, her four hundred. Where does she do the four hundred? Like that time? Several outdoors. Okay, let's. Okay, let's see. Okay, so let's. I'm gonna screenshot forty nine. Remember forty nine fifty. Okay, forty nine fifty seven from NCAA outdoors. Travis, go to the world, go to the female world rankings, women's 400, and then change the countries to United States. And let's see if she has a 400 meter ranking. She does. So her best 400 meter ranking is 1283. Okay. Which actually would be better than her 800 here which has a her fifth best 800 is a 1227 so if you were to include her best 400 and replace her fifth best 800 it would improve her score what i'm guessing here is the rankings have a rule where you only allow to combine events that in their minds make sense so the one and the two the two and the four the 15 and the 3k whatever like that's that could be a thing they need to fix that's a situation yeah, you where think? you think if you are a 4-8 athlete you know well okay hold on though hold on then but let's go to Safan Hassan what did they consider for Safan Hassan's marks 15 5 and 10 they gave her all three okay so why do you why do you get a 15 10 consideration but you don't get a 4-8 I think maybe because she ran them at the Olympics so well, Olympics yeah I mean, that's going to be, yeah. I think they should include anything you run, right? I don't know why they wouldn't include her. Like, if it's you, who cares if you're doing the javelin throw and the 60-meter dash? It's you're an athlete. Yeah. You should get credit for everything you do. Um, I think maybe a reason why, though, they want to limit the number of doubling is so they don't, disenfranchise an athlete who only can do one event. Right. Okay. Well then, but they gotta be consistent is what I'm saying. If you're going to yeah. count three events for one person, you can't, you can't do it for another. Yeah. Here's me and Saba put up me and Saba again. I'm sorry if that was already up there. 3k, 10k, 5k, 2k. <laughs> they did the 2k. So they include them all. They yeah. put it even, a, they put a fake event on there. That's amazing. And so she was still that low. Me and Saba was still that low, I guess, just because of the, uh, the location of some of those meets it when i saw safan hassan's scores there i actually thought the olympic weighting was too heavy because her third place in tokyo in the 15 was more points than when she actually beat faith kipiegon in that ridiculously fast diamond league like that's out of whack then too yeah i mean it's all about time too right i don't know yeah wasn't it it's hard it you're ranking fat, all the I mean. people yeah, no, it's, it's difficult. That's what I say. I don't. I don't know if it's possible. Is my point. I 
I, I think you can. There is an error though. System. They should have they they screwed up a Thingmo's ranking. That's what I'm taking away from this. So actually, because they screwed up a Thingmo's ranking, let's fix it. Okay. So wait, wait. Maybe they didn't screw it up. Yo, know, they they did. Okay. So twelve eighty three. Okay. So I'm gonna add this up. So we have fifteen. 1599, 1453, 1337, 1334, and 1283 equals the average of 1401. So a thing Mo's true ranking should be 1401. So where does that land on the list? 1401. 38. Yeah, so that's where she should be. Right. I mean, it's obviously still too low. Still yeah. too low, but she should be 38. Well, we could go through this whole thing about these European meets getting weighted more than, obviously, non-European meets and, and how they weight NCAA yeah. meets. We can get into a whole, whole other discussion on that. But I saw people talking about it and arguing. At first, when I saw them posted, I thought it was one person's rankings. Oh yeah, yeah, no. And then I and 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 but but then I saw I was like I looked at it. I was like, oh, World Athletics actual official rankings. Like this is this is the is the official one. So this is the U.S. rankings, Travis. So Katie Najat, Valley Allman, Courtney Frerichs, Sydney McLaughlin, Dilla Muhammad, Gabby Thomas, Shamir Little, Kenny Harrison, a Thingmo, Kate Grace, Conera Hayes. Yeah. Well, look at that. I mean, Carrie Richardson over Allison Felix. I'll get and people third, going. Third, <laughs> 13, thir thir 13 and 14 there. I don't, yeah. I mean, Najat medal, Almond medal, Frerichs medal, Sydney medal, Dula medal, Thomas medal. Like those, those make sense, I guess. It's it's tough to, to quantify it. But again, I just think Sydney's got to be, I think Sydney's got to be higher. Yeah, I think Mo there in ninth, just ahead of, uh, just ahead of Kate Grace by, by nine points. I think she should obviously be in the top. I think Mo should obviously be in the top five of. Like Courtney I mean, Frex, maybe... great, great, great. Courtney Courtney Frex had a great season, right? But like I think Mo had a better season. Like, you I know what I might solve this problem? That. Is that? instead the, of it being tweets? five best performances, it's only the three best. Because if it's the three best, those like fourth and fifth best performances that screw you over because you did it at a local YMCA and not at yeah. the Taj Mahal and Monaco, like that could change your ranking. So I guarantee you, if you only take a thing's top three performances against everyone else's top three, she becomes probably a top 10 in the world, in my opinion. I bet you she does. 100%. Yeah. But they take five. But I, I mean, but here I am then arguing, hey, compete less, which is not a position yeah. I want to take. I want to be, hey, hey, compete a lot. I just think the formula needs to be like, I wonder if you, I wonder if you reran it and just took marks. And didn't do the weighting what it for by meat quality. I wonder what would come up. Yeah, that would change it dramatically. But then why race each other if it's only about time? Then everyone does time trials in the woods, and they don't want that either. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, what they should do? They I don't know the answer. Know World the Athletics. Answer. They should um, take all the prize money that they were trying to give out at Diamond Leagues mm -hmm. and World Eth and Olympic Games, cut it in a third. Like, take two-thirds of that prize money away at the mm -hmm. Diamond League level, Continental Tour level, and World Championship Olympic level. Take two-thirds of it away. This is, this is another popular opinion for you. you. Take all that money and put in the world ranking. And therefore, yeah. everyone would be incentivized to race each other because they know – Running a world record in the woods is not going to help you get that money in the world ranking. You have to yeah. run that world record at a Diamond League or a Continental Tour, and then we're going to see more people matching up. If there's value in having a good world ranking, yeah. people like Sydney and Delillo would probably run the Diamond League more often. Because right now, the only value in our sport is running at the national championships and the world championships, and that's it. Or you go to the flip side and just weight it based on competition. Take the take times out, save for hey, you get like a world record bonus. 
to your to your point total and then you go and you go from there or you just set like a really really high criteria like if you go sub 155 in the women's eight or something like that or you go sub 98 you get this bonus like you make some sort of you're only going to count times when they're extremely high and then you're only going to wait on on like wins and losses but then again you're like trials versus monaco what's what's more points right a continental tour versus a diamond league where the continental tour field's actually better it's tough i mean what they you can't do it come previous you can't do previous years either you can't say like this monaco meet in yeah. 2021 had this many good performances so in 2022 we're going to give it the rating of what it did in 2021 because the people change but you also can't do it on competition because that's unfair because Say I go to yeah, a meet yeah. and I run yeah. a 350 mile, but yeah. second place was 355. And you go to a meet and you run a 351 mile, but second, third, and fourth place were all 353. Sure. You're going to sure. get better credit. And yeah. that's unfair because it'll be, hey, I, yeah. did, I did it. You know, so there's all that. It's hard. That's all it comes down to. It's hard. Um, yeah. They're trying. Well, I do. I, as someone who likes data, I was really against the world athletics rankings. I think there are major flaws, and I love the shit on them. But as someone who loves stats, I do appreciate the effort and the desire to try to get somewhere. And it is a lot better now than it is, in my opinion, of the just descending order lists. That's it. It's like yeah, point total. It's not fun. Point totals yeah. of you know, hey, you ran the, you all had world records. You're in this first group. I, I, but this is where I come back to track just being this unwieldy operation, and it's difficult to quantify. And that's why world championships and Olympics are great because they're so clarifying. And yeah, it shouldn't be the whole yeah. sport, but in a way, in a way, isn't the Olympics? This is going to be a galaxy brain thing. The, the, the Olympics are just like the 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 manifestation of almost the rankings, right? Because there's two ways you can qualify. You know, well, actually, one way you got to run the standard, but then in the U.S. and other countries, you got to go show up to the meet, then you got to got to advance and and move in, and then like the Olympics and World Championships are just like, hey, here's all these rankings. Now you guys are on the track. Go sort out who's the best, and then yeah. that that sort of that sort of settles it. That that these rankings, they should they shouldn't be rankings. They should be called seeds. They're seeds. You're okay, the number like one that. seed, you're number two seed. And then the Olympics was the playoffs with the seats, right? Like Utah yeah. was the number one ranked team in the NBA basketball. That's true, but then they didn't win. Well, so they're whatever. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. We Maybe we should stop calling these rankings and start calling them seeds. Well, I think that that's, I think that that's a better way to interpret it because you're not – because you can, earn, yeah, you can earn it, right? You earn those things, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that you would be the the top ranked person. Now, it's not going to help like event to event, but I'm more concerned about within within events. Right. We'll figure this out by November or December. I think that's when we're going to land on the perfect <laughs> ranking system on the pod. So stay tuned, November and December. Uh, one more. You want to talk about NCAA cross country before we go? Someone in the chat said I look tired. Well, it is tired because you try to do a three and a half hour live show at two in the morning and then host your son's birthday at your house for an interminable amount of time with a giant bounce house and all sorts of kids running around doing crazy stuff. Uh, go cross country. Well, I want to go cross country, but I think I'm going to save it. I think I'm going to save my cross country takes uh, for the NCAA cross country show, which debuts episode three tomorrow on Tuesday. I got some interesting takes. There were some meets where I'm not going to lie. I think they're a little misleading. I think there's some lies that we saw in some of these results, and I'll tell you why they are lies. Oh, oh. And some of the things that I've been starting to think about predicting are starting to come true. Some things that I thought were happening are not true. I'm going to call out some coaches for oh. not ru not running certain athletes. Uh, ah. There's going to be a lot of uh, noise I'm going to start making, but uh, tune in. That's good. Um, Rankings are already up. So if you want to know the updated rankings, they're on our site. Who's number one yeah. team at the top 250 individuals all ranked as of October 4th. Um, mm -hmm. And then uh, we're coming up on pre-nats and Wisco. And that's when the true form of the rankings come together. Right now, we're still in preseason mode in my mind. The season doesn't start to Wisco and pre-nats. Are they seeds or are they so, rankings? These are rankings. Okay. Listen, That's here's it. what you got. 
Here's what you do. <laughs> NCAA, you go NCAA cross-country show, colon, truth and lies is the name of this week's episode. And then yeah. you get a screenshot of you like this on one side. And then stylized YouTube font over it. Or like okay. this. Maybe that one. I think I just might use That's your screenshot. I'll just yeah, use the you can use either one. Okay. I'll pose for a second. I'll hold that shot right there. Or again, the really but, indignant pointing the finger of like, this person's a liar. And then on the other image, you're pointing at somebody. I don't know, whoever you think is lying out there. I'm assuming you talk about yeah. lying like they're misleading. Like they're not as good as they say they are. Or they'll be, they'll be better than they actually are. Or are, are people yeah. actually lying to you? Are they, are they like there's teams that are going to be better than 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 they're saying they are. There's teams that are worse than they're saying they are. And there's teams that just need to, hey man, what are you doing? This isn't cool. I I, I hate it all. I'm not letting. I'm not holding back. I'm not holding. Oh, I got. I think. I think I know who you're talking about because someone in the chat is talking about a team that's load managing. But uh, you know what? We'll save that. We'll save that. We'll save that for the cross country show. That's one of the teams. Uh, that's one of the teams. Uh, Tampa Eagles says good pod today. Hey, thanks. I appreciate positive feedback. Uh, Anthony says, what about the rumor the Jamaican coach will be coaching U.S. Sprinter? We talked about that on, was that on the Friday pod, Gordon, or the Thursday pod? That was the uh, September 30th the Friday pod. pod. Yeah, which Maybe was, was actually Thursday. posted on Thursday. Thursday, but I didn't, I didn't hit publish, I don't think. Uh, yeah. Because I'm an idiot. Gordon fixed it, so go back. You can listen to that one. Is it on YouTube? It's on YouTube, right? And then it's also wait, now on audio. Wait, hold well. on. No, the rumor mill one went up. Hold on. Did we not upload that pod? Oh, no. Oh, no. What do we do? We Man, up? if you are – we did a pod and nobody – No, no, it's up. Cold. Yeah. Okay. Off-season rumor mill. It went up September 30th, whenever that was. Yeah. Yeah. That, we, went into the whole, we went into the whole yeah. Stephen Francis, Elaine Thompson, hurrah. And then, of course, the mysterious international athlete who they said was what? Very, very well-known and not European. Were the two hints that we got? We wanted to play ten questions with, uh, with or twenty questions with, with Stephen Francis. I think we can nail it down. Like I can name that athlete in five questions. Go. I think we could do it. I just asked. <laughs> so, yeah, is, um, is it is it so and so? Listen to that pod. It's episode yeah. three fifty two. That's the there you go. We went long on that one. That one we went in depth. We did all the different machinations of, of who it could be and why it would or would not be a good fit and why it would definitely be an interesting fit if it happened. But Wednesday, we'll talk Chicago. We'll talk Boston. We will hopefully get into some, some sprint news. If there's sprint news around the world, we'll maybe have World Athletics rankings figured out by then. Probably not. Again, that's probably going to be a well, November, December project. But. Who knows? We have World Athletic Rank. I'm making the flow check rankings. I'm gonna have a deep dive. Okay, good. Top ten or top twenty, U.S. based and world. So I'll do a world okay, one good. and a U.S. one. So okay. Uh, and I will tell you why you're wrong. And then we also could start talking about who athlete of the year should be the top three men, top three women, and then pick who we think should be the World Athletics Athlete of the Year. But we'll get to that later on this week. Thanks, Colt. Thanks, Travis. We're back. We're on YouTube. It's amazing. We have awesome producers, and we appreciate them. Gordon, talk to you Wednesday, man.